previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. So our options right now are the dig site in Romania and then the intelligence agency in Gibraltar. I think Gavin is torn between Romania and MI6 just because he came out of MI6. Like that's that's actually something that's very close to like his background. You could potentially try to kind of collect some supplies before going out there if you wanted to. Can we collect some sanity before going out there? I'm going to I'm going to pull my Hippocratic oath, my copy of my Hippocratic oath from my back pocket and uh and and remember my purpose. Presumably we'll want to infiltrate at some point, so we may want to figure out what that what that looks like. You see that they've used explosive charges to cause a landslide, and there's a mud track that leads up the hillside from the nearest road, uh, but you see that there are armed guards kind of watching that area. Not to state the obvious, but open combat would be a disaster for us here. He comes out and he starts shouting. And I think it becomes pretty clear they're looking for something particular. And the crane starts pulling something up out of the hole. And at first it looks like a metal block, uh, but it doesn't take you very long to realize that it is almost certainly the shape of a metal coffin. London. November 12th, 1992. Brooks Galbraith had always wondered what it would be like to work for MI6. Honestly, what young British child hadn't thought about what it would be like to be a secret agent, to work for Her Majesty's Foreign Intelligence Service? He was sure, though, that he had never expected that working for MI6 would have anything to do with vampires. Even now, hours after the meeting as he walked through the streets of London, Brooks still wasn't sure he had heard correctly. A vampire? That's what they wanted him to do, this famed secret intelligence agency? They wanted him to find and dig up a vampire? He could still picture the man he had spoken to as if he was sitting across from him at that very moment. Well-coiffed hair, clean modern suit, friendly demeanor. Nothing about the man screamed conspiracy theorist, or madman, or even practical joker. But what other explanations could there be? Because Brooks Galbraith would never, and could never, accept that what the man, who called himself Elvis, had said could be true. MI6 used vampires as assets. That's what the man had said. They had used vampires as assets in the past, and they were looking to do so again. And they needed Brooks to find one. What utter nonsense. But Brooks was a true Englishman through and through. The honor of serving country and queen was one that he'd never turned down, no matter how unfathomable a task he'd been set. So he would fly to Italy. He would consult with MI6 in locating and unearthing this Etruscan vampire that Elvis seemed to be sure actually existed. And what would happen after that? Brooks didn't care, and didn't even want to know. He wouldn't have any part of it. tagline that I came up with for this podcast is um, an actual play podcast of investigation, strangeness, and fear. Um, and though I think this one, at least up to this point, has been less about the fear than than some of the other seasons, um, I want to talk about that for a little bit. Just um, you as people, what 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 scares you? What what is what is frightful to you? And I don't even necessarily mean like, you know, I'm afraid of heights, right? Like, that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm also afraid of spiders. But I mean, like, what types of things, like, scare you in a kind of horror or, you know, so- something mm. that that type of way? Well, I um, I have discussed sort of adjacent to this on our previous season, the sort of uh, that how I am not actually a huge fan of horror movies generally. 
But of the things that I find particularly unsettling or horrifying, I probably body horror is the thing that I really just don't care for the most. What is it about that that you think that, that particularly scares you? It's... I, I It's like, I, I don't know. I think I find the... I think I find it so, like, unsettling or deeply, like, disgusting in some ways that, like... I I'm I am one of those guys who has this weird thing where like I I don't like watching horror movies, but once in a while I will feel deeply compelled to like read the synopsis of a horror movie that I'm I'm never gonna watch. <laughs> and so like I, there are a couple of those where usually the body horror ones, if I read about them, those are the ones that stick in my head the longest and like won't like won't leave me alone. Like mm. I'm never gonna watch the film Society. But I've definitely read the synopsis of Society and been like, mm, nope, nope, never going to see that. Oh, God, <laughs> that sounds disgusting. Makes mental note to read description of Society when we get done with this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you should. <laughs> uh, Chris and Katie? Yeah, I think for me it's it's kind of the opposite, actually. It's like, you know... I mean, kind of like what happened to Fabio and Teddy <laughs> previously... Sort of like possession <laughs> or hypnosis or something like that. I find like very unsettling. I like the idea of someone or myself or my character, like, you know, losing the ability to control their mind and what they do and that kind of thing is like very distressing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never been a huge fan of the horror genre. Never been my thing. I Because I just think I find it all unsettling. I'm really enjoying this podcast, but I murder any sort of murder mystery, psychological thrillers. I just, it it shakes me to my core and I it just <laughs> sticks with me to a point where I'm like, I can't even find entertainment value in this because <laughs> I feel so shaken. But so I, yeah, I don't know if I can pinpoint exactly what it is about scary or horror movies, books podcast that I just but I just I never never been a huge fan yeah obviously the, obviously I'm different than that right and I've, I've talked about this on, on past episodes too I, I really I really love all of those things um I think that I think I don't find anything that is kind of supernatural or anything related to that particularly scary I'm, I'm definitely more scared of things that I think could actually happen to me yeah but, like, I also really like reading murder mysteries and psychological thrillers and things like that. I think the thing that scares me most, and, you know, even when I read books like this, I love them, but it, the, the, the thing that keeps me up at night or the thing that, you know, makes it hard for me to fall asleep is, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like, sociopaths. Like, people who, people who are totally ready and able to just kill me and i would have no idea that they that they feel that way right like people who can who yeah. their their external persona is so normal and yet their internal is so scary and dangerous right that i think that is the thing that 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 scares me most and so like psychological thrillers where, where there's like you know where the where at least one of the one of the narrators is the is the bad guy, right? And in like you're seeing the inner workings, and then you're also seeing the way that they're like interacting in daily life. I think that's the thing that scares me most because I feel like I would have no way to see it coming if that makes it. Not that I not that I actually yeah. <laughs> not that I actually think that I could do anything if a if a normal if, if a normal murderer came for me, but. So you're saying So I Married an Axe Murderer is the scariest movie that you've ever <laughs> exactly, seen? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think seeing a coffin raised out of a dig site in Transylvania when you're already suspicious that vampires might be involved falls on that spectrum for your characters? I so I think for for Gavin he is all in on this is you know fully in on the vampire train at this point like <laughs> vampires Dracula whatever is going on um, but there's still the, like, um, more grounded side of him that feels like we may have gotten here in time to prevent any of the, like, really bad supernatural stuff from happening. Like, we're gonna get in and do the inspection, we might be able to shut, like, pull something off to shut all this down without ever having to fight, you know, some sort of thousand-year-old vampire or something like that. Like, we, we may be here in time to just stop all of this. I think Fabio is 
much more persuaded by Gavin's research already than Teddy was. <laughs> and, you know, someone who kind of entertains conspiracies, maybe not to the extent that Gavin does, but um, he's curious. He's not going to rule anything out. Um, and I think this points him in the direction of not necessarily, vam this is definitely a real vampire in there, but that something supernatural is going on, and also that all these people are deeply invested in the idea that this is a real vampire. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> at, at least in terms of, like, the, you know, <laughs> the state of play here, it's like vampires are at least likely a huge part of this in, in some capacity, so... I think he's actually kind of comfortable with that. He's, he's come to terms with it over the past few days. How's Teddy feeling right now, right? Because she's been so staunchly opposed to the idea that vampires could possibly be real. And now a coffin is being lifted out of this monastery. Uh, where is she right now? How's, how's she feeling? I have to imagine she's feeling pretty conflicted as someone whose entire worldview has up to this point always been grounded in science and reason and what's in front of her uh so you have to imagine all of this supernatural all of a sudden coming into her her worldview is uh very unsettling i don't know how well she's she's coping with all of this but yeah do you think she feels is she afraid is she still kind of is she stubbornly like refusing to believe it is she like intrigued like you know what i mean like what do you think the overriding emotion is other than conflict I feel as if she must be a little scared only because she had the, I think the curse and that woman in the street probably sent her over the edge because I think at this point she could kind of write it off as still a conspiracy. There's nothing really that's happened that would specifically say that vampires are real, but having been, having firsthand experience of the magic and the supernatural at this point has, uh, has possibly turned her. And now she's just kind of scared. Like she doesn't know she doesn't know what could possibly happen next. And that that's what scares her. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, the, the not knowing, the really having no idea. As as you know, all three of you are, you know, incredibly competent individuals, but you're also you're all probably all feeling like I'm not sure what exactly is going to happen here. <laughs> Gavin, uh, when we see the coffin being raised, pulls out like a little a small notebook that he's got on him and like looks over at the other two and he's got the word coffin circled. And there's just a bunch of other scribbled nonsense on the page <laughs> that you can't even make out. And he just like taps the word a couple of times. I picture that even in these small notebooks, he still has like yarn that is connecting yeah, things just, inside. <laughs> just, he can't even open yes. the pages because they're like looped between various pages. <laughs> uh, amazing. Okay, so yeah, so you you see this this it has to be a coffin. There there's no other option what for what this thing could be, given its size and shape, uh, being pulled out of this dig site. And uh, the the crane kind of swings it over, and uh, sets it down on kind of like a wheeled cart that had been brought over. And the the, the archaeologist um, who you who you spoke to briefly on the phone, um, but who's clearly kind of leading the activities right now, directs the cart to be to be pulled off, and it starts to they start to pull it off, kind of past the tents, past the the temporary cabins, and up that mud kind of back road that you had seen when you arrived, and you know that you know as long as you've been there, there have been armed guards standing near that kind of that mud path. Um, but the armed guards kind of step aside as they wheel this cart back up and out of you. So it seems like they are either either they're taking that to somewhere else that is that is irrelevant, or they're hiding it. So what would you all like to? What 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 are the next steps? Where do you where do you go from here? What do you do? I was wondering if we should begin our inspection, or if we still want to hold off. I think so. Yeah, I think once it's been like an hour hour and a half ish somewhere in there we can reasonably come in i was just gonna say we're obviously clearly making note of like the at least the coffin specifically and where it's gone and we'll see if i doubt we'll be allowed access even as the inspectors to that area but we'll we'll do what we can so i have one practical question that just occurred to me because i feel like we're about to plunge into something here in the process of flying to romania driving down here did we have 24 hours elapse and also gain back two health points? 
Yeah, so I think you flew to Romania this morning. And so it has definitely been 24 hours, but I I think I think the I think the escape from Marrakesh was 2 days ago. And so I think you've already factored in your your two nights of health health gaining. Okay. Cuz I think I think I think 2 days ago was the events in Marrakesh. You slept at the safe house. You spent a day kind of resting and recovering. You slept again and then you kind of sent Olivia with Hassan and then came to Romania. Okay, so this is like the same day now that we flew into Romania. I think probably, yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so, you know, you wait an hour, an hour and a half, and then drive into drive into the dig site camp. You had kind of continued to watch them a little bit, and you saw that they they did a little bit more kind of cleaning up after having found the coffin they you know they kind of covered up some of the some of the area and then they kind of seems like they kind of went back to work to make it seem like they were make it seem like you know things were moving along as planned they've done as good a job as they possibly can to try to hide the fact that they did a really bad job excavating the monastery since that's obviously not what they were doing um and you can also tell that like they seem to have accomplished their goal Right, like they—they're not the the digging that they're doing now is purely for show. Um, it's not it—it it has nothing to do with um, with actually looking for anything. Uh, but yeah, you uh, you drive on down, and as you pull up, you are you are greeted by the archaeologist um, who comes over and introduces himself as Brooks Galbraith. He has a kind of high society British voice. Uh, seems very official. Seems uh, like he doesn't mind that you're there. Seems genial. So yeah, how do you how do you approach uh, how do you approach this inspection? Uh, let, why don't we? I feel like maybe we can start off kind of friendly. Um, yeah. And if we need to get tough based on some things we're seeing, like you know, we, we can. Um, but we can start off, you know, maybe a little more congenial. Brooks, mate, how you how you go? How you doing? How are things going? How is uh, how are things happening here in the dig site? Oh well, things have been going reasonably smoothly. With you know challenges, as so often happens in these in these situations, you have to. There's only so much planning you can do. You aren't quite sure what you're going to find until you get underground. Uh, here, want to just start out with uh, letting you know that you know all of our permits and and papers are in order. And he he hands you he hands you all um, a Manila folder that seems to be full of of dig site permits and the like. Um, you have n- no real idea, um, unless you want to make an argument for one of your abilities, but you don't really know too much about um, whether these are whether these are actually everything that's needed or anything like that, but they, they sure look official. Well, yeah. I, at least make a show of pulling out a few of the papers and leafing through them, just kind of... Oh, everything looks like it's in order. Good, good, good. Okay. Thank you. Uh... Standard procedure, well, you know, we want to take a tour of the dig site, your operations, just make sure that you're treating all of the artifacts, any anything that you found with uh, the proper care that they are, you know, that is needed to, uh, to make sure that they are preserved. And of course, you know, uh, just ensuring that you're using, you're utilizing proper procedures on the, on the dig site. And I, because I don't remember, which of you two has archaeology expertise? That would be me. Okay. Cool. Uh, then I will um, gesture over towards you and say to Brooks, and of course, as is part of the standard inspection procedure, we have our own expert archaeologist here um, to ask any, uh, you know, any necessary questions and just ensure things are uh, following as the uh, per government guidelines. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Brooks, can you tell me a little bit about what you're uh, doing here? Yes, uh, absolutely. I can do that. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, Teddy. Maybe, maybe this this archaeology expertise comes from a, a former cover identity that you had in the past. Do you want to try to kind of play uh, play an archaeologist in this moment, or do you want to actually, you know, use use a one point cover spend to say that you actually have some like some credentials that you some like forged credentials that you have made up in the past to pretend to be an archaeologist? Yeah, I'll spend a little bit. It was. In uh, the forgery? No, in in cover. Uh, yeah, if you just spend one, yeah, if you spend one point in cover, um, we can say that you have kind of a 
an archaeologist, you know, like what's what's the word I'm looking for? You have like a uh, a permit or a uh, you know, like a license as an archaeologist. Most certified. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She under, definitely under... has like a laminated ID tag that yeah, is on like, attached to the shirt. Just like hold it up. Exactly. So uh, yeah, he he checks it. Um, you know, he he shows you his own. Uh, he does actually have um, archaeology credentials, and he says, "Yes, uh, I'd I'd be happy to walk you through um, walk you through the site and and talk to you a little bit about what the process has been here." So as you know, this monastery was. Created in the 11th century, uh, Tao's Cistercian monks, and was closed in the, the 13th century quite uh, quite hastily. And then uh, many years later, it was buried under a, a landslide. Uh, you can see some of the evidence of that over here. And he kind of like points off to where you think that they used some explosives to knock something down to kind of get access to the site, but he kind of gestures and like kind of is trying to kind of brush it off as like that was some sort of natural phenomenon. Also, as you're kind of, as you look over at where he points, you kind of all are, are taking notice now that, that the armed guards who were over by that mud road have been removed. They're not there anymore. Um, and in fact, the armed guards in general have kind of taken off their arms. Um, you know, there nobody's there there really isn't anybody walking around with guns kind of open anymore. No r- nobody's carrying a rifle over their shoulder anymore and they've like taken off some of their body armor. So, they're trying to it, it's clear that they're trying to make this look like there's no there's no security here. It's just laborers and the people leaving the dig. And so he he starts walking you over to the dig site. He says, well, so, you know, we've, we've been trying to, to, to dig down in here and uncover as much of the, the monastery as we could, see if we can find any, any evidence, any archaeological evidence as to, you know, what, what might have happened here that, that caused it to be shut down so quickly. As you can see, and he kind of points to some of the, the masonry that had been pulled up, as you can see, there was pretty extensive damage done to the monastery. It must have happened during the landslide that that buried the buried the building. But um, you know, we've we've been as careful as we can. We, we've we've done our best. But in fact, you know, as as we've used some of the machinery, we've we've accidentally caused um, a, a bit of a bit of trouble ourselves down there. You know, it's it's one of those things that you know you try to avoid as as someone who's trying to preserve as much as possible of the past. But uh, it's inevitable in some cases, especially in a site as as tenuous as this one. So we've done the best we can and, you know, we're, we're still continuing to work to try to, to try to uncover as much of these ruins as we can. I'd say we, we've probably made about 50% of the progress that we're looking to make and, you know, just trying to take things slow. I see, I see. Uh, well, given the nature of the, the damage that's here and the circumstances, uh, do you mind if we just take a, take a peek around ourselves? Yes, I, I, I suppose that would be fine. Uh, I'll... I'll be around if you need me. Feel free to um, feel free to to look around. As you'll see, most of our most of our workers are locals. I'd appreciate if we could if if I was if I could be involved in any conversations with uh, with any of the 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 laborers. But um, otherwise, please feel free to take a look around. All right, we'll we'll be sure to include you should we need to talk to anyone. Thank you very much. And he uh, he walks away, but like you can tell that he's like. He's not going about his business. He's like definitely like keeping an eye on where you go. Um, so where do you, where where do you go? Is the hole or whatever that where they broke through and got the coffin out of is that still exposed? Uh, you you look over to the actual dig site itself, and it seems like whatever the farthest down place is where you suspect they got the coffin out of has been covered with a tarp, which you know is it would be like you know reasonable practice in in archaeology circles to like make sure that none of the debris that they're uncovering up above kind of falls down in there but yeah it's 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 not obvious it wouldn't be obvious to someone who didn't see what just happened that they've like done much digging down into that area i mean could we ask about that anyway and just say you know what have you found under there i see you're taking the proper precautions to maintain the integrity of the site <laughs> Sure. So you you call Brooks back over, um, <laughs> and you you kind of point down to that tarped off area, and he says, "Well, I have to tell you, you know, there's something about this site that really intrigues me. I mentioned it before, but the the rapidness, the ri- rapidity is that a word? <laughs> the uh, the the rapidness of 
of how quickly this place was shut down by local church officials, it's it's always intrigued me since I since I first heard of it, and I I suspect that something happened here beyond you know the standard troubles that you might expect out of a, a group of monks living in a in a monastery like this. I I suspect that they that they found something or that they were I don't know I don't want I don't want to sound like a I don't want to sound like a a, a foolish a foolish person who believes in such things, but that something that they were corrupted by something, and I'm just trying to, to we're, uh, you know, we're we're really trying to figure out what what exactly happened here. Our primary goal is to see if we can learn anything about what the what the situation was like here in the 11th century when the monks were here, and so or the 13th century near the end of their time here. And so, you know, we we have plans to explore underneath the monastery. Uh, I believe that there were some basement levels down there, and. All, any sorts of things can be can be buried underneath the ground to try to hide them from view, and so we're, we we plan to explore down there, but we're, we want to clear as much of the the uh, the upper level of the monastery as we can first. Could I um could I make up a cover identity to ask this guy some other questions? Absolutely. What do you want to make up? <laughs> Let me know if this is too ridiculous. But I want to be like a representative of the Romanian Ministry of Museums and Exhibitions. Um, and, oh, yeah. That's great. and I'd like to ask him, um, you know, about what sort of incidental artifacts and things uh, they've uncovered. You know, maybe not related to the sort of the architecture of the monastery itself, but, you know, we're, uh, frankly, we're facing dwindling attendance numbers in Romania's beloved museums, finest in the world. And anything that's sort of, you know, potentially scandalous or interesting would be immensely valuable for us to sort of draw people back and get them, you know, into our exhibits. Well, sir, that that certainly would be our goal, and I, I would be as excited as you would be to be able to find something that could sit in one of your fine collections. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe that we've found anything yet, and he kind of lists off a bunch of, you know, kind of mundane finds that they found, you know pottery and u- cooking utensils and and things like that that you know may have been left behind when the when the monks left but if we do uncover something down below that gives some indication of what might have happened here to cause it to be shut down so quickly you will be the first person that I reach out to because we would I would I would be I would be very happy to have uh, some of those finds published and and placed in 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 the fine Romanian museums I uh I don't, I don't see things in the same way as many of my British counterparts do. I believe that anything we find here should remain in Romania. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. So do we. <laughs> you know, also, one thing I'm sure you understand as a professional, like all of us, that sometimes the way some of these artifacts find their ways to us is that people working on the site, you know, just laborers, etc., you know, perhaps find things that they think are theirs and that they'd like to keep as a memento as opposed to giving them to the greater good of Romania and her museums and exhibitions. Have you had any problems with theft or employees or anyone like that stealing a little bit on the side from this dig? No, we, we haven't had any issues with anything like that. Uh, my uh, my team has done an excellent job of, of recruiting uh, fine, upstanding Romanian individuals who have been doing an excellent job working on this site with us, and I, I trust them. But in addition, I, as you know, a, a practical man must be practical. Uh, keep keep a close eye on making sure that nothing like that is happening. Thank you. We appreciate all the precautions you've taken. He he appreciates your appreciation and then kind of steps away and says, as 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 I said, I'll I'll be over here if you need me. Feel free to continue to look around. What do we think? This guy's kind of tough. It's not giving Doesn't us a lot. to crack. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like what information would be valuable to us at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, would a list of the workers or like who his employer is? I I would be interested in getting into some of the temporary buildings where p- potentially some of the files and things on this uh, on what they've been doing have been kept. Are we clear on if we can go into any of those like the temporary structures and stuff that they have had that they have set up or are we was Mr. Brooks kind of or excuse me Brooks whatever his name is Brooks giving us clearance to just walk the dig site itself. It hasn't really been addressed. Okay. You know, I think you would, you know, especially um, especially Teddy would know that kind of typically on these archaeology sites, 
the cabins are used as sleeping quarters, right? The temporary cabins are, are that's that's where people would sleep. And so you wouldn't, you know, unless you actually suspected that people were stealing things, you probably wouldn't go in and search the cabins for any reason. The tents could be used for any number of things. It could be a place where they keep, you know, kind of food and water. Or, you know, one of the, you know, one of them is probably that. One of them might be a medical tent uh, to use if someone sustains an injury while on the dig site. Um, another one might be where they're, they, they're keeping some of the, some of the you know, at, at least at this point, more mundane artifacts that they've found. So if you, you know, it would, it would be more normal for you to say, like, can we see where some of the finds that you found versus, like, just, like, walking through the tents? Just mm-hmm. in terms, you know, like, you know, if nothing suspicious is going on, just as a matter of, like, convenience and expediency, you wouldn't just go searching through all the tents and, and like, looking at their food stores. Brooks... I am a government man, and as such, I'm very interested in process. Could you walk us through the process of a find, how it is then uh, cleaned up, tagged, filed, processed, and preserved? Yes, absolutely, though. I I believe that your colleague could do the same, but I'm happy happy to show you. I want to know how you are doing it specifically. That's why we're here. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Pat him on the shoulders. (laughs) A government man through and through. Um, He does does walk you over to one of the tents, and he he takes you inside. And there there are, as, as you mentioned... Or as he had mentioned, some you know, some pottery, some some cooking utensils, and things like that. Not as many as maybe you would suspect for a site of this size, uh, but but there are some in there. And he 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 walks you through. You know, he, you he can you can tell that he's kind of. You said you wanted him to walk you through the process, so he is going to walk you through the process. Um, and he is going into an extraordinary amount of detail, and like you can tell that he like thinks it's funny that he's doing that. There's like a little bit of coyness going on as he does that, but he walks you through the whole process of of cleaning and tagging and recording and and all of those things. Oh, exhaustive and not at all suspicious. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything we notice while he's going through that process? No, it seems seems very bubble. I mean, the only strange, quote unquote, strange thing. It's not even that strange. It just there doesn't seem to be as many artifacts as you would expect. Um, but you know, from from your knowledge, like you know that they aren't actually looking for artifacts, and so these are kind. These must must be for show. Um, you know, in case something like this happened, and they've probably destroyed a number of them in the process as well. And then where do you keep the files on all of these wonderful finds? Uh, <laughs> is this, are you then sending all of this information back to, um, you know, back to your sort of home base off of the site? Or, or what's, the, what's the process like that? Mr. Uh, I, I don't believe I caught your name. What, what is your name, sir? Um, I will present some sort of Romanian name. <laughs> <laughs> Or, uh, yeah, no, I probably would, would present a, some, some kind of Romanian cover identity. I will, I will happily spend points to have some sort of Romanian government yeah, yeah. cover identity. It's, it's all good. It, he, it, is the digi- it is the digital age, sir. We, <laughs> all of our finds are recorded and uploaded immediately to, to, uh, to our, our databases so that they can, be, they can, they can already be, be added to the registries that they need to be added to. You millennials. I'm what they call Gen X. I'm used to the analog world myself. He is he is certainly n- not a millennial. He is definitely in his 50s, but <laughs> but he 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 understands your joke. Okay. So I think you haven't asked him anything that he isn't willing to show you at this point. Mm-hmm. Are you do you do you think you're going to try to push it or do you think you're going to you know kind of step away and kind of reassess would it be possible i'm wondering if it's possible for one of us to break away without him looking or seeing just in you know if if that's even a possibility yeah i think it would be i think you would probably have to cause some sort of distraction if you were going to do that because he he's very aware of your presence right Mm -hmm. like he's he and and you can tell that he's like because the three of you are agents, you know, a, a regular inspection team might not be able to tell this, but you can tell that he is keeping a very close eye on the three of you. 
Okay. And you can talk about it out of character too, because you you know you've you you planned this before you went in. So like, do you think you want to push it, or do you think you want to 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 pull back? I can't decide if we want to push it or if we want to just step back and try the infiltration route. Because I feel like everything's kind of pointing in the direction of the mud path. Like, I, we mm-hmm. could probably sneak in and try to look at some documents and stuff like that. But I feel like we've seen enough, or seen a lot at least, that leads us to believe that's kind of where we need to be going. So I don't, I don't know if it's worth the risk of, like, you know, someone breaking away and trying to go through their files or something. Mm-hmm. I assume if one of us breaks away and runs up the mud path, we'll get shot. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and they'd have to go for their weapons first. So we'd have have a, you know, 30 seconds to a That's minute. Time. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I just, I'm not sure if there's any additional information we're going to get. I'm trying, what would pushing it look like is my question. Like what, would we just start grilling him a little more <laughs> on what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, the the things that are coming to mind, like, you know, there there is evidence of malfeasance here, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, he right. has given excuses for them, but like, you could really grill him yeah, on that I if you wanted to. Doing that if that if I just kind of start indicating some of the things that we think are obvious issues, things like the blast that caused the that, that they initially used to cause a landslide to clear out, you know. Uh, and let them get at the ruins so, stuff of that nature if we want to just push him a little bit on some of that and then i think the other the other thing that's coming to my mind at least is like you could try to get or get him to allow you to go down that mud path if you can come up with some excuse on why you need to see it you don't know whether he's you don't know whether he would whether you know that would be a, a step too far or not and i think my other question about like the drilling him a little harder is like to what end yeah mhm we could ask him. We don't know what's at the other end of the mud path at all right now. We could ask him no. about the mud path to see if what kind of answer he gives. If he just kind of completely BSs us, or if he gives some indication that might might at least have a grain of truth to it as to what's at the other end. Do you know what I mean? Like if there's some sort of yeah building or whatever it might be that might give us a little more information. Yeah, on on both of these counts, I can't decide what I think is like more important. Like not getting his hackles up, you know, like giving him no reason to suspect anything is amiss. Mm-hmm. That seems good. Like, that seems like that might help us. And like, I wonder if we ask about the mud path, will he just be like, oh, it's nothing, but then be like slightly, suspicions slightly raised. We might be able to phrase it in such a way where we ask is, I, and, I mean, there? it gives him an automatic out, but something like, oh, is that where, you know, supply trucks and etc come come in or is it is it something else like just propose a, a, a propose something that indicates we don't think it's suspicious if it's just something mundane like that mm-hmm. um, but but that would allow him to answer again it would give him an automatic out because he could just say yeah that's what that is but you know at least it wouldn't clue him in yeah we might as well ask in some way like that yeah, and I wouldn't mind spending, like, a reassurance point to get him to not suspect us as sus- suspicious and then see if we are able to get on the mud path. Ooh, I, I like the idea of, like, grilling him a little bit and then, yeah, you could reassure him that, like, we're just, we're doing this because ju- we have to do our jobs for the government, you know? Right, it's we're just not, doing our due diligence. Mm, it's not, like, a personal thing. It's just that we're trying to make sure everything's on the up and up. Yeah, so you you kind of you kind of broach the subject of the mud path. You know, Teddy's probably doing this in the in her in her most reassuring uh, reassuring <laughs> voice and and confident nature. She's kind of backed off from the the intimidation that she was using earlier on the phone, and she's kind of, now she's kind of you know making making him seem like everything seems great here. We're just you know just crossing T's and and dotting I's, and you can tell that he like there's a brief moment of like. You know, his, his his hackles are raised a little bit, right? But he says, well, you know, we're, we're fellow archaeologists. We we uh, we both know about the challenges that come with with digs like this. There are, you know, it's it's long days and it's it's difficult getting supplies and everything out here. And well, I'll, I'll tell you this. We don't have we don't have a permit for this. So, Mr. Government Man over there, don't just block your ears for, for just a moment. But. We, we were able to, to find a site uh, kind of up the hill a little bit here uh, along that mud path it, it leads it leads up the hill and there's a there's a site where 
there's actually space and I, I've checked it out. It's 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 safe, um, even though potentially they wouldn't give us a permit for it. But I I've, I've checked it out. It's safe. There's a a place where we can land a helicopter up there. And so, just to to make things a little bit smoother, we've we've occasionally brought in a few shipments of of supplies as needed um, up there. And you understand, sir. We're just doing our job here, but we we will need to inspect that area. Well, I. I don't. That doesn't. That doesn't seem. That doesn't seem necessary to me. I. I, I assure you that I've used it. And it, it. If you'd like me to, I. I won't. I won't use it anymore. We. 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 We won't bring any more supplies here. We. We've got mostly what we need up here anyway. I'll pull out some sort of government BS. Like, we can give you a thirty-day grace period pending the inspection, and the inspection can happen at the end of the thirty-day grace period, as long as you file for an application within that period, and then you have two weeks from the period of the government receiving the application in which for us to come and do the inspection of the site. I understand. I'll I'll follow proper procedure, and we'll we'll bring you back out. I'll be I'll be glad to show you all the progress that we've made uh, between now and then. By the time you come back out here, I don't want to get in any trouble. Great, I'll just make a note of that. Uh, do we think that in my cover as a museums and exhibitions slash tourism slash whatever <laughs> um, expert here in Romania, that I could bring up the topic of vampires with him without getting in trouble? <laughs> kind of like, like jokingly? No, well, and be like, look, Brooks, pal, here's what I see. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned a little bit of the occult here. And, you know, I know there were times when us good Romanian people were trying to step away from all the Dracula and vampires and all of that stuff. But let me tell you, it's a moneymaker. So <laughs> if you have anything like that, I think this is a big opportunity for us and for the great state of Romania and her museums and exhibitions. Um, that maybe, just maybe, this could be our next hot site for a new museum. He like at that at that point all all like nerves that he was clearly feeling like the 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 like heaviness in his shoulders like he 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 like loosens up and he gives you a big smile and a wink and he's like sir I I assure you that either either we find something that will make this place your next hot tourist site or we'll pretend like we did It's just what I like to hear Brooks buddy <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you my card Give me a call whenever you got something. <laughs> you pull out a you pull out a business card and you've got like a stack of like fifty of them and it looks like they're all the same card but they're actually all different and you pull out the, the like <laughs> the Romanian tourism industry one and hand it to him. Exactly. So he like loosened up at this. He like his reaction was to become less stressed. Yeah, he like he totally played it off as like now you understand why I'm doing this. Like this, like you and I understand each other. Like this is this is the plan. Especially with your talk of like you want to make a little money. I feel like between oh, yeah. like we want to use some of that vampire stuff to make sure we're we're bringing in those tourism dollars. That it seems like a point of connection there. Not sure what else to do with this guy. <laughs> I feel like I I think we might. We might have gotten the information that we need. He actually told us more about what might be up that mud path than I thought we might get. The whole idea that there might be a helicopter site up there. And we know what we... I, to me, that tells me what we might be working against, which is we need to come in tonight and try to infiltrate that site. Otherwise, there might be a chopper taking that coffin away soon. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right, so it sounds like you kind of finish up your inspection and you you drive off and and get set to regroup. So yeah, what's what's the what's the plan? You've you you know you did a, you did a you did a, a good job. You know you in addition to the information that you gathered, you know with, with agents of your abilities, you like you you scoped out the place, right? Like you 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 definitely like have a much better sense of the lay of the land uh, than you did from from afar. I mean. It's so it seems like we might be able to stealth our way in. What is our objective? I guess that's going to be the question. What are we going to try to do if we infiltrate this site? Is it for us to recover the coffin? I was thinking just try and stop the helicopter. 
Mm-hmm. But okay. I don't know. I don't know to what end they're going to use. I don't, I'm not quite sure. I don't know enough about the vampirology to know what they would mm-hmm. possibly do with a uh, coffin. I guess if we can if we can find out what they're trying to do with it, right? Like it's a part. It'll be part information. Find out what how why the coffin is so damn important to them and what they're trying to do with it, and then from there that might inform what our next step is in terms of do we. Destroy the coffin. Try to somehow take the co- extract the coffin ourselves. Do something else like that because I feel like we might be able to stop the helicopter, but then they might if if we allow them to if we allow them to remain, they will probably just try to move the coffin elsewhere and get a new helicopter in and 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 extract it again. So I think it's going to be yeah, find out what they're trying to do with it and then do something to the coffin accordingly. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I feel like, too, like, we, in everything we saw, we see that they've, like, accomplished their goal for this site. So, like, mm-hmm. we definitely mm-hmm. want to find out more about what that was, but also neutralize whatever the next mm-hmm. step for them is. Because it seems like yeah. it's bad. Yeah, like, short-circuit the plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, alright, so, so it sounds like first step is to try to kind of get yourself back into camp secretly. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's hanging me up is where are we going to get that data? Like, where are we going to find out what they're doing? Like, what they, why they got the coffin? Is there someone that we think we could bug or listen to covertly that might spill the beans? Is there, like, some other electronic surveillance or something that we should try to do? I, I just, I'm, tr- I'm a little stuck on where we get the info from that. I'll even, I'll even say that if you want to, want to give me another electronic surveillance spend, Gavin, that you could have planted a bug somewhere down there. Yeah, I have one more, I have one point left, and I'd be happy to spend it for this, so. Sure, while we were walking around the site, I planted a bug in an appropriate location. Yeah, so you, so you kind of, as you drive back out, you kind of get your, your radio frequency turned up, and you can actually kind of hear some things that are going on. Okay. I, I have a question, knowing that we were going to come back later, uh, and that I have all these explosives on me. Is it a step too far to say that, like, I could have planted a remote explosive in one of these things to use later, like, potentially as a distraction? Uh, not a step too far. It's, we're going to do two things. You're going to need to tell me where you planted it, and I'm going to say it's going to be a difficulty six conceal check. Oh, that's tough. I have three points left in conceal. What do you guys think? I, I was thinking if we go up the mud path later, it might be a useful diversion for us if we encounter any trouble to just be able to attract all their attention back down the way. I think, yeah, considering we did basically a successful, like, inf- not infiltration, but, you know, casing the scene uh, mission just now, I am all for using that to give us any advantage on our next thing we can get so yeah so a stealthily concealed explosive to potentially use as a distraction i think sounds like great even if we don't end up using it like just the utility of having it there i think will be great agreed i will say if you want if it if you want it to be if it's if it's just meant purely as a as a distraction yeah then i would then i would say that it's difficulty five if you want it to actually like blow something up in particular difficulty six yeah no i think the idea is just putting it somewhere it's more about like the noise and the everything like that yeah that that's slightly easier to do i mean he still had his eye on you for sure but like i would say that that's slightly easier to do so we'll say that just a distraction and using your your one of your class one explosives can be a difficulty five do you guys think i should spend all three of the points i have left or just two i I'm gonna say I think you can go ahead and spend all the points. Yeah, that's because what I'm I think. Yeah, go like for I, it. I still have some conceal. We, one Me of us too. might be able to do. Yeah. Okay. So we we can still hide stuff if we need to. I think this is your this is shoot your shot. Okay. So I'm gonna spend all three, which means anything but a one. I'm really glad I talked up all the ones. Why early. are we still saying this? <laughs> <laughs> and, let's see. Three. Nice. Nice. Hey. Uh, yeah, so you you get one planet. It was kind of when you were over closer to the dig site, where you know where there's rubble and and tarps and all those sort of things, kind of all around. You you were you were able to set it up, and you have you have kind of like a 
a remote fuse that you kind of stick down in the in the center of this like foam explosive that you hide that you hide and you uh so you're you, you'd, you'd be able to trigger that when you wanted to nice okay do we get anything so say we're prepping do we get anything from the bug that was planted as we are preparing i assume we're just going to infiltrate tonight probably since it sounds like time is of the essence they'll probably be extracting this coffin soon yeah, so, you know, if you're going to kind of in your prep- as you're preparing for what, you know, you're you're kind of coming up with a few different ideas probably for how you want to approach this. Mhm. And you, you know, you're kind of also listening to whatever's going on in camp. You know, you were able to place it in a place that kind of picks up a few different locations, um none of them particularly clearly. You also you see some activity, some of the you know, kind of the archaeologist Brooks and um the other two, you know, bureaucrats who seem to be leading this leading this whole thing have definitely taken trips up the mud path and back down. You know, they've they've been talking a lot. But you you uh you do at one point, a few hours later, as it's getting closer to dark, you hear kind of a, a heated conversation between Brooks and another one of the another one of the lead lead guys. And they're, it's clearly arguing about, like, should we do it now or should we do it later? That's kind of the, the gist of the argument. And Brooks kind of wins the day and he, sa- he, he says, um, no, no, we can't, we can't do it now. We aren't ready. Wait until dawn tomorrow morning and we'll bring the blood up and see what we can do to uh, revivify it. And that is where we are going to end our story for now. I assume Teddy is fully on board at this point, right? <laughs> I know, at this point, how could she not be? But I, it's hard. I don't know. I can't decide. I can't decide how she's feeling about it. I think at this point, uh, Fabio is so impressed by how much of Gavin's research has come true <laughs> that he now believes in Bigfoot and aliens and all sorts of things. <laughs> Gavin, what other conspiracies do you have for us? <laughs> this podcast was created using Knight's Black Agents. Written by Kenneth Height and published by Pelgrane Press, and is based on an adventure written by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan called The Harker Intrusion. The podcast also uses material from The Dracula Dossier, written by Kenneth Height and Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, and music from Dust and Mirrors, written by James Semple. All of these are used under the Pelgrane Press Limited Community Use Policy. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the nature of my game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGPodcast.com.